Hi, this is Amy Lombardi from TuneCore, and you're listening to our Music Made Me podcast. I'm based in Austin, Texas, and I'm part of our entertainment relations department. Today, we are going to talk about the ins and outs of radio promotion, and I'm really excited to have... um, two guests to speak to today. Matt Riley, the program director at KUTX here in Austin, Texas, the the country's, maybe the world's best radio station. Bless your heart. <laughs> and Howard Petrozello from Red Light Artist Management. Uh, Howard, where are you based? Uh, based in New York City. Okay, so both of you, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to talk about radio promotion, which is a big scary thing, but we're going to break it down to make it, you know, really make sense. So thank you both for joining me. Of course. You're very welcome. Uh, and I did say that KUTX was the best radio station in the country. They're super supportive of their local artists. Um, in fact, we have Spoon coming to play here this week. And in the last two uh, hour and a half, I've heard two Spoon songs on the radio. So very supportive. And that's super cool. And we'll get to that later a little bit more. But it does have a lot to do with breaking breaking your act has a lot to do with the support you can get from your local media, radio being one of them. And a non-commercial station like KUTX is part of that. So welcome. Um, Howard, could you tell us a bit about your role uh, in radio promotion as at an artist management firm? Uh, yeah. So um, I don't know if later on we're going to be doing background stuff, but I worked in major label in the major label world for 18 years, um, and it was great in a variety of um, capacities. I came to Red Light three years ago. The, um, the way the music business has evolved, and it's evolved in a lot of different ways, um, a lot of labels have consolidated. They've downsized. Um, the reality of breaking artists and supporting artists is the same as it's ever been. So there's a a big workload. So a lot of management companies have um, really built themselves out almost to be like labels. Like we have digital people, we have marketing people and, you know, at red light management, which is the largest independent um, music management company in the world. We have 300 artists. Um, We've got a fairly large radio staff, six six people. So, you know, we can, you know, we can work a record nationally. There's a lot of ways we do it, but um, so my role specifically the company is i'm based in new york city um i work on a national level focusing on radio formats um like commercial alternative commercial triple a non-com triple a specialty and sort of everything under that umbrella we're gonna we're gonna give you guys definitions of what all of those those things mean we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that yeah so um basically i guess the, the broad trick is i do promotion on a national level interesting okay now I want to move on to Matt, uh, Matt Riley. Um, let's let's get a definition out there of what a program director at a non-commercial radio station does, and what what you do in your role. Because I realize they can be they can maybe vary a bit from station to station. Yeah, very basically, I'm in charge of anything with our name on it. So that includes the music you hear when you tune into the radio station, uh, any sort of messaging we put out there. And any events we do, that all filters through me. Wow. And so program directors nowadays, especially in the non-com world, have become kind of brand managers. And so it's about how do we extend the brand through the music we play, uh, through the partnerships we engage in, and the events we do in the community. And so it's all about 
creating more community and a larger community around music. And if you're lucky enough to be in a place like Austin where you have a great music scene, then you can use that as your foundation and you can play a lot of local artists and you can build up your community through the local scene. From that definition, it sounds like the funnest job ever, you know, besides like water park. Well, I, I say this a lot. I don't want a real job. Yeah. You know, beats getting a real job. So I didn't want to wear pantyhose. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I tried that once. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is. And you're, and I was lucky enough to be the very first and only program director of KUTX. We launched seven years ago and I got to build this thing from the ground up and it's been great and it's extremely rewarding. You know, we just had two members of the black angels stop by the studio this morning to talk about levitation fest and being the sort of clubhouse for the Austin music scene is something that it's really hard to put a price tag on, but it's actually really invaluable for the soul of your city, I think. It really is. And and for you, particularly having been the first person in the role, because um, KUT was the non-commercial radio station, at least a non-com station here, and, and then it split. So yeah, we were, what, part what, of it is talk, and part of it is, and the other side, KUTX is all music. Yeah, and so we grew out of what we called a hybrid station. So yes. we were half NPR programming and half music, locally programmed music. And so... Seven years ago, we bought another station, 98.9 in Austin. And so the original, 90.5 KUT, just went all news and information, all NPR. And then we took the music over to this new frequency, 98.9. And so we had kind of like a half of a radio station to build upon. And then we did that. And then over time, radio stations are living, breathing things. And so it's morphed and changed as the city music scene has changed. All right. I think now it might be a good time since we've used the word so many times to just tell the audience right off the top, what is commercial radio, what's definition and what's non-commercial radio. So I'm going to start with Howard. Can you def- give us the definition for commercial radio so that um, our listeners are, are in step with what we're talking about? Um, yeah, I guess in the purest sense is uh, a commercial radio station is a station that derives all of their revenue from selling commercial advertisements. So you know, the majority of our, you know, the radio listening audience probably engages with commercial radio stations. So they stay on the air by selling those 30 and 60 second commercials, the live um, breaks that disc jockeys do. On the flip side, and Matt can elaborate, non-commercial radio stations don't sell advertising. They may have underwriting. Um, They generate most of their support from their listener and community base. So the missions of those stations are very, very different. Um, and you know, the community that's built is sort of different by nature of where they're getting their funding from. Yeah. It's the kind of art versus commerce thing. So how do you weigh it? So on the commercial side, commerce comes first and then art and it's completely flipped for non-commercial radio. We're all about the art. And if we can entice enough people in our local market or even beyond, to say, yeah, I enjoy this so much that I'm going to donate $10 a month to you or $50 a month, then that's our business model is it's all about the kind of artistry of putting together radio that hopefully appeals to enough people that they donate what they can to help 
keep the engine running. The other... Well, this is actually exactly related to all the brand building that you're doing. Right. So you're not even just making evangelists. You're actually having people become investors. Right. And so... Owners. And also, I would say, you know, we get in trouble sometimes when we, during fund drives, we'll say, we don't have commercials. Well, some of the more persnickety people will say, well, actually, you do. (laughs) And we call it underwriting, but you're not going to hear like, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You're not going to get that. We produce (laughs) in-house 15-second messages in our voice. There's no music. It's not annoying. You're not getting yelled at. And it's basically, hey, this business supports what you're listening to. And it's much simpler. Our breaks are one minute long versus 10 on the commercial side. And so we're able to play more music. And when we're able to play more music, we can find more space for local artists. Right. And the reason why I wanted to point these definitions out now is because we're going to, I wanted to obviously give everybody an understanding of what they are, but we're going to get to them later as well, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of parts to radio promotion and there's a lot of, there's uh, different routes, I would say for, for any artist. Sure. Um, even being like when I was a publicist, there were some bands that would be would break through the critical media in print journalism or online journalism. Um, and then there's other bands that were just radio bands is what we'd call them. And they were going to break on the radio first. And then people would start writing about them. So, okay, well, those were great definitions. I appreciate it. Um, what about radio promotion itself? Howard, wh- wh- how would you define radio promotion? No, no, no. <laughs> well, how are you? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, Thank you um, for that. <laughs> you said something a second ago. A lot of times when people say, what do you do for a living? Um, I'll say I build puzzles. Um, radio promotion is a very <laughs> ephemeral thing. In the broadest sense, it's funny. I, I do, I speak to college kids. I'm doing an intern presentation tomorrow. Um and I point to anything in the room, like, you know, I'm looking at you right now. I mean, the headphones you're wearing, the microphone you're speaking into, mm-hmm. the chair you're sitting in was sold by somebody. Yes. Some rep from the chair company convinced the furniture store to take their line of chairs. And here's why our chairs are better. So everything in life has been sold at some point. What, what radio promotion is, is that, but for something that you can't sit in, you can't touch, you can't taste. It's a, it's a very ephemeral thing. It's the concept that you as a radio programmer playing this artist will derive benefit from it. Your listeners will like this music. They will listen longer. You'll engage with this. Um, You know, and it's a mix of, you know, Matt was saying before art and commerce. What I always say this job is it's a mix of art, salesmanship, salespersonship, um, you know, and, and science and metrics. So there's a lot that goes into it of me trying to convince a program director to support an artist and a song, um, you know, and you're doing it, you know, there's a lot of radio stations out there, you know, commercial, non-commercial, various formats. So, you know, you have to have a lot of boots on the ground, reaching everybody through whatever means you can to, to build that. And, you know, for some artists that are small, you know, the, the ceiling is lower, um, for certain artists, the sky's the limit. And, the difference between those could just be timing. I mean, you know, I can give a, a lot of examples throughout this talk of artists that were playing clubs that are now playing arenas, and radio played a big part in that. Sure, um, absolutely. You know, so you know, at, at its at its core, um, in most pure form, is a promotion rep 
sitting down across from a program director, a music director, and talking to them about music and explaining reasons why their radio station should play the, the artist. Alcohol helps. Does alcohol helps? Yeah. Well, when I say salesmanship, and that's, you know, that, that, that's a joke, but, you know, a, the core of anything is it's relationship-based. Um, the dirty secret is, and I probably shouldn't say this to Matt, is they, radio stations are under no obligation to engage with record labels or manager reps. Wait, what? They... they <laughs> Really? Dang it. We've been doing this no, this whole time? Especially now. You know, years ago, you know, when I started, you know, they needed the servicing. And can we get the music? Now you can get the music anywhere, right? You can see what's happening out there. So those relationships are important. Um, you know, having the trust um, and having, you know, from our standpoint, having the access to get a meeting to be able to actually just talk about the music and present what we have, it, it's, it's really key. And, you know, we value that. And, you know, what we try to do is you know, provide great service to our radio stations in that we've got great artists. We try to engage as much as we can, you know, from live performances and interviews and shows and really do that kind of follow through to strengthen that relationship. And like Matt said, somewhat jokingly, sometimes those relationships are formed over a dinner, you know, over a beverage and those friendships develop. And that's really the fun part of the job. Yeah. Um, My brother does radio permission. And he always describes it as you about music in general is you're selling something that nobody needs to buy. Yep. And so it is a form of sales, but it appeals so much more to the emotions. It's, it's, it's the and, hardest the in, form. and the intellect. So yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And, and we'll get into like the words like formats. That's going to talk to what type of music is played or what the, the radio station considers itself to be, um, formatted as um well can i can i say something real quick so howard and i are two sides of the same coin but you're on opposites you're you're different right you're you're the screw and he's the bolt no that's the same thing the nut yeah whatever um but i mean yeah but but it's true he he's the input and i'm the receiver okay essentially uh so relationships in life are everything yeah. I wouldn't be here if I didn't know you probably, Amy, you know, because we have a relationship yes. because we met through industry stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have conferences periodically throughout the year. And so I've gotten to know Howard at those because we're, they're booking bands at these conferences. They're there to keep an eye on their band and make sure that guys like me, ladies like me, uh, will pay attention and like the product that they're putting in front of us. Mm-hmm. And then... We develop a rapport. And so... And access. Right. And so weeks later, when I'm, we're back home at our respective jobs, if I get an email from Howard, I'm going to pay a little more attention to that because I know Howard. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not being cold called. And so the relationships are everything. So for musicians, just kind of getting going and you're thinking like, how do I get on the radio? And you're thinking of radio promotion... That's the key. The key is that the radio promoters know the program directors personally in most cases because we hang out a couple of times a year at the non-convention at South by Southwest. They come in for ACL Fest, whatever. Um, And so that's what you're paying for. You're paying for that access to these, I hate to call myself a gatekeeper, but we are. Mm -hmm. Um, You're paying for the ability to jump the line. That's an excellent way to put it. Are you also paying for 
um, or I should say, uh, we're not friends with everyone in our industry. We don't we don't like everybody as much as we like certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't be here if I didn't like you. Oh, for instance, oh, <laughs> just yeah. kidding. I'm blushing. <laughs> Um, but so it, there's, that's an aspect of it too. Right. Um, that's know, relationships. And, and, it, and it's also like about like, oh we, yeah, we, we, we hit on this point where ta- this kind of music or this kind of music memory or it's, it's relationships. But I guess I want to just dig a little bit deeper about well, so like what that means. Because somebody, you might meet somebody and they, you might think they're a great, great person, but who they represent may not be right for your radio station. Right. And, but you're able to hopefully be adults about it and have a honest conversation just right. say it's cool man thanks for dinner um but it's not a good fit for us instead of no conversation right and so i'll give you a concrete example <clears throat> that involves ktx and red light and that is black pumas so black pumas are currently the howard K- likes them. He just give him two thumbs up yeah so ktx artist of the month right now they're an austin band but they signed with red light and so they're handling the management. Actually, I need to pause. They actually signed with APO Records, right. which is a label. They're not managed by Red Light. So okay. Sorry. I'm a label rep for Black Pumas. Okay. So, oh, cool. So we'll just back up a little bit. And that's Black Pumas. They signed to ATO Records. Howard is a part of that. And so when we want to get a session with Black Pumas in our studio, we go straight to Howard. And we know Howard. And we know his team. Because we've hung out and we're on good terms. And so the process just becomes so much easier. And we're seeing the fruits of that for the entire month of July. And whereas you used to go right to the Black Pumas. Yeah, but Black Pumas have hired this company. Right. They, so they have a record label. They have a management deal. They have all these things. So they, as a band, you don't want to be, you know, once you get to a certain level, you don't want to be managing all of your business. I want to give the opposite side of that as well. You, you have to let the other people that you hire do their jobs. Right. So. Let them do their jobs. But also you can get overwhelmed and lose track of your art because you're focusing on the business side. Sure. Howard, I wanted to wait for you to stop drinking that water before asking you another question. Okay, I'm good. Um, I want to talk about um, non-com radio, which we already defined. Um why is it important? Uh, how does it affect the community? You kind of breached on that a little bit, Matt. Um, it brings the community together and how it helps local musicians. Um, I think why is inc- it important? I think it's incredibly important. Um, you know, we'll get into more radio formats later, but most radio formats are homogenous. You know, top 40, you know, pop stations kind of sound the same around the country, same with, you know, rock stations and alternative stations, there's a little more predictability. What I love about non-commercial radio is each station is a true reflection of their community. Um, and, you know, you said, earlier, you know, you said earlier that, you know, KUT is the best station in the country. You know, I'm not gonna be, KUTX. KUTX, Howard, K- KUTX. Yeah. I'm not going to say that, you know, they're, but they, they are among the best. I really, they, I, they I mean, are. You know, and I think that, you know, what they mean for Austin is really important. There are great stations all over the country, you know, major cities like Los Angeles, KEXP, KCRW, WFMU. Those are all great. You know, the current in Minneapolis, these are really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, why they're important. um, The most simple thing I can say is somebody, you know, that works for a management company and an independent record label, ATO records is they care about music. They really are music first. They prioritize music discovery. They take pride in, 
discovering, playing, and breaking artists. And you know, some some of those artists live in the non-com world for their entire careers and can have great careers. Some start there. Alabama Shakes is a good example, yeah. and end up winning Grammys. You know, but without that initial support and that continued support from non-commercial radio stations, a, a lot of artists wouldn't have the careers they have or the exposure they have. So I think it's an incredibly important format in the world, even though, you know, it may not be the biggest, I think for certain genres of music, it is the most important. And it's certainly the most affordable to start with. Matt. Yeah. And I, you know, we have, because of our business model, the freedom to take risks. And so we're not so worried about the bottom line because we kind of know how much money we have in the bank because, (laughs) We're nonprofits. Right. And, so, and you're usually supported by a college, maybe. So right. there's endowments. Yeah. You're either a community licensee or a university licensee. And so uh, your, your footing's a little more stable. You know where you are and you have more space within an hour to take some more risks. Also, our member base will kind of help us course correct. And so we're constantly in a dialogue with the people who financially support us, the individuals who financially support us. So I worked in commercial radio. So if somebody complained and you got a a complaint email about something when you worked in commercial radio, you'd be like, delete. Um, But now on the non-commercial side, we have to take that seriously. Mm -hmm. And we try to answer as many direct comments as we can. And so for me, if I get, you know, 10 emails saying, this is a problem. Please don't do this anymore. I'm going to pay attention. Whereas on the commercial side, they don't care. They're not as listener focused because they're, they're trying to appease their corporate sponsors. We don't have that problem. Ours is more organic and it's more kind of person to person. It's more of a human interaction. And that bears out when you hear us on the radio because you've got live DJs. You've got songs from your hometown. In some cases, the songs are being played by your neighbor. Uh, So it's just a more organic and uh, kind of person-to-person feeling you get with non-con radio. That's really interesting because you made me just think of that movie, um, the the Fisher King, where he he does something, he says something that causes an effect, and then he loses his job in radio because people complained about it. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea being that commercial radio um, needs to please their sponsors and and needs to watch out for their advertisers, and non-com is actually more concerned with what the community is saying. Howard, did you have something to add? Um, other than I fully oh, agree I, with oh. everything Matt just said. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but no, he's is, right. <clears throat> so it is different um, when you're trying to promote to a non-com station than to a commercial station. Let's. There are probably a few differences we could name and then kind of talk about them. Yeah. I would say I mean, that yeah, one I, is access, one is... Well, I can just speak from... Uh, my perspective, and that is if you're a young act and you're just trying to get going, focus on non-com because we don't put a cap on how many songs we add per week. Whereas on the commercial side, maybe we should, but uh, we don't. And uh, the 
commercial side has room for one or two ads a week, maybe. And guess what? If Beck puts out a song, that's going in. You're not. And so they're going to prioritize the known over the unknown. And we're going to be actively seeking the unknowns. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, um, and that, that's really, that is the key difference. I mean, the, first off, most non-commercial stations have, um, they have more space for new music, which is great. Um, you know, commercial stations, especially as you get into more major markets, um, you know, bigger formats, they've got really limited shelf space. I, just, I almost talk about it like it is, you know, they've got, they, they can't play, they can play what they can play. So, you know, it's, it's harder to sort of get in, um, you know, with non-commercial radio, they, they, you know, they can play 40 new records or 35 new records where there's some commercial stations playing 15 new songs and it really, it's challenging. So, you know, again, if, if, if you're an independent artist, if you're a new artist, you're probably going to find a friendlier reception going into the non-commercial world. Not that it's, I mean, Matt, I mean, you can speak to this. I mean, you're, you're inundated with quality music, um, you know, arguably more than you can possibly play, it, you know, as much as you're you're trying your best because there's, there's just a lot of really good music out there. But I think younger artists are most likely to find a sympathetic person in, in dealing with, with non-commercial radio. Well, and so the other thing that non-coms have gotten into more is different methods for music delivery and different properties to help artists. So commercial radio can offer you a spot in their rotation or maybe one spin on their new music show. And that's pretty much it. I call what we have the pyramid. The top of the pyramid is the smallest part, but it's the most valuable part. That's rotation. Below that, we have podcasts. We have studio sessions. We have a venue. Uh, we have um, song of the day. We have all these little ways that if you artist can't... Artist of the month. Yeah, artist of the month. If you can't get into the top tier of the pyramid, we could probably still help you out in the lower rungs of the pyramid because we need to put out content. You have that content as an artist. I mean, it has to be up to a certain quality, but um, that's kind of how I explain it to a lot of Austin artists that are like, why didn't you play my record? Um, I said, well, you got a studio session out of it, which we videotaped. And then you left with a recording of what you did, which you can then use to market yourself. So we actually helped you in a big way. It's not the best case scenario, but it's pretty good. And we'll take the time and the resources to do that. Whereas commercial radio, they just don't have the hands anymore. I mean, everything's automated. There's like four employees total. They're part of a huge cluster that's looking to shave costs. And that's a huge difference, I think, because a lot of public radio can help you in different ways. You just have to be receptive to it. And, and, just to go back to that whole discussion we had about relationships, I mean, <clears throat> your first song or your first single is the first thing that you're doing. There's going to be a follow-up. Um, there's going to be a follow-up to that. So you're always building your career. You're building relationships. You're trying to get to, eventually, to getting added to the station's playlist or rotation. So... I mean, ideally, you want to do all of the steps because you, you want to get as much out of the station as possible. Right. So it just, they might, might come in in different times. Right. It's a long life, as I say. It is a long life. Howard, do you have anything to, to I add do, to and I, you know, 
Yeah, I do. And I've, I've seen it firsthand, you know, both at um, KUTX and other radio stations. Um, you know, one of the things I was saying earlier through consolidation, you know, on the label side, there's been a lot also on the radio side. So in some cases, in the major markets, there are a lot of hands on deck. But in a lot of cases, there just aren't. And that's also led to um, not a lot of commercial stations haven't quite adapted. I mean, some of the bigger chains have, you know, a good digital strategy and things like that. But I've just seen in the non-com world, they just um, pivoted in a good way. And, you know, all we're looking for, you know, as managers, um, you know, people that are involved with artists is just get, getting that opportunity to present music to, to active music fans. Um, you know, if somebody is paying $10 a month, $200 a year to like listen to a radio station, that's somebody who really cares about music. And yeah, great. Obviously, the the um, the goal is to have a record in rotation where they're getting played a few times a day. But, you know, Matt, the, the podcast that Elizabeth does where she gets into the stories about songs, that's really valuable. You know, we've had that with artists that haven't necessarily been in heavy rotation on KTX, but that was that's really valuable. Yeah, um, it's just another avenue. And it speaks you know, to the songwriter. And that's Elizabeth McQueen's show, which is called, it's called This Song. This Song. It's great. Check it you out. Know, and, and, um, it's it's one of those things. It's a good deep dive that I think serious music fans can really connect with. Um, you know, anybody out there, even if you're a music fan who goes to shows at night, you know that mornings are rough. So try talking an artist into doing a 6 a.m. or a 7 a.m. live performance during South by Southwest when they get out of the club. But, you know, when we do things with um, with KUTX in Austin, South by Southwest, we tell them there are going to be a thousand people in this ballroom. And these people love music. They're going to be wide awake and ready to go. And whenever we have artists do that, they walk off and they thank us where they're literally wanting to punch us in the weeks leading up. Like, Oh my God, you know, kind of, you know, cause it's South by they're can playing. We, six can games. we cuss on this? Uh, just, just use the, use the good words. Okay. Not the really bad words. Um, did bad, I swear? The bad words are the best. No, no, no. I think Matt's going well, so, to, and that's well, why so, he asked. To, so we do an event <laughs> for, we've been doing this event for years. This is to what Howard's talking about at the four seasons hotel. There's only probably one Four Seasons in the world that would allow this to happen. Um, But so he's totally right. The bands, by the time the information gets to them, they're like, wait, I have to play at 1 a.m. And the next morning I have to play at 8 a.m. I have to be there at 6 a.m. to sit around until 8 a.m. In a hotel. And so all they hear is hotel, 8 a.m. And they're like, this is conference. And they're like, this is going to suck. So. Meanwhile, we've built up this audience for this event. And so there literally are a thousand people in the ballroom of the Four Seasons at 8 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. And so they don't see that until the last minute. So we bring them in the front door of the hotel. Then we take them back to the kitchen. And then we walk them back to the side door next to the stage. And we have 16 acts over four days. And six, we went 16 for 16 last year, which I call the oh shit moment. And we Everybody open the door... Up. We open the door to the ballroom for the band, which they and they haven't seen the ballroom yet. We open it up, and they look out and they see a thousand people in a well lit, you know, nicely lit nighttime vibe ballroom, and they all go, "Oh shit!" (laughs) Every time, because they're like, then it clicks, and the and the larger point I'm making is, it's this affinity for music that Howard was talking about that drives what we do. And so it's this community thing that, um, that you don't, can't really capture on the commercial side as well, because you're not engaging your audience like that. Right. So, so programming like that allows artists to play for a lot more people. 
in front of a lot more people. Well, a thousand getting a thousand people when you're an emerging artist is a is thousand a lot. is only in the room, right? Because no, we're and broadcasting then, I was it live. Say, and then the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands that are listening on the airways. I can say from personal experience, that was one of my favorite things um, that was started um, when KUTX um, split. I I actually don't remember if you guys did this as part of KUT. We did one year. KGSR had it before us, okay. and then we took it over from. It's so one of my favorite things. And when I was an artist manager, I had one of my artists do it, and she was definitely um, a, a, a night owl, and then not a morning person. And she totally said the the oh you know oh poop oh poop. I'll say it like that just because I'm employed. Um, but yeah, and it was great with her like southern accent. So. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about those formats. Unless Howard, did you have something else to add here? Yeah, just one thing. You know, we yeah. talk, we keep throwing the word the relationship around, and we're doing it in the context of you know prom- radio promotion and radio station relationship. I think the artist relationship with the radio station and ultimately their audience—that's the end goal of this. And you know, so when you know it starts with us presenting music to to a radio station, and then they choose to engage with it in some level. And then it culminates in events like that, but then that it doesn't culminate with that. That just deepens that relationship. So the next single, the next gig in town, the next album, that door tends to swing open because it's there's just this respect, trust, and kind of admiration that's flowing both ways between the artist and the radio station. And it's a really credibility issue where you just know. And I, there are commercial stations like that too, where they just they run great operations, they do great events, and an artist does it one time, and they're they're excited to do it again when they get the ask it really um, it creates it, opportunities yeah you're um yep. i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there um but it does it creates opportunities when you're on tour and somebody a, your radio promotion person has built a, a radio tour for you a lot of that's going to happen in morning radio or drive time and so it's going to be a pain in the neck in your schedule at either time but it's a, it's an amazing way to reach hundreds of thousands millions of people um yep. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the current formats that exist at radio and maybe what they evolved from. I remember contemporary was like a small, had a small lifetime and it was like that music, like that they didn't know where to put it, um, replacements, dinosaur junior and music like that. It was after new wave, after alternative had changed to be like green day. And yet it was still like what? Um, WDRE or WLIR would have played years ago. So let's talk about formats. Well, Howard should probably speak more to that because he ha- he has his finger more on the pulse of that, and I don't. I, I traffic in my world. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'll try to like I'll, I'll give the broad strokes as much as I can. Um, cool. And whenever whenever I do whenever I speak to college kids or, or interns, I, I show them you know the numbers of stuff. Um, can I interrupt you for a moment? So college radio is a whole other um, system to to pitch and to promote to. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that um, there's people that do radio promo direct to college radio still. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in a lot of our artists, you know, that that is a world. I, you know, for those of us of a certain vintage, um, you know, college radio was a really important driver in the 80s, I think, into the 90s. You know, I don't think it. It's not as much of a driver as it was, but it's still important, and it's mostly important because there are there's a coalition of bigger stations that you know can really 
impact their markets. I mean, a lot, a lot of college stations, you know, they're they're on AM radio stations or carrier current or online only. It's a great experience for the people there. I think all those hums can maybe add up to a roar, but it doesn't really like it's not as the impact's not quite as seismic. Um, you know, interestingly, and I'm going to sort of go counterintuitive and, and Matt, take this, don't just take this the right way. Non-com is actually a fairly small format. When you look at the audience, the, the macro audience reach, it's not that big. But what's important is the, the quality and caliber of that audience. Um, it's, you know, they're, they're music fans, they're out for music discovery. So it is really important. Um, as you sort of go up the format chain, you have commercial AAA. Um, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but like if, if you have a number one record at that format, your, your audience nationally is about 2 million. Oh, you know, interesting. Yeah, you know, sounds like a lot, but really in a country of 310 million, million yeah. <laughs> it's relatively small. And you're also using, you know, Arbitron's audience estimates. So that's not perfectly scientific. So you, you move up. If you have a number one record at the rock format, you're looking at an audience of 7 million. On a good week at alternative radio, it's like 13 million. All the way up to where if you are Drake or you're Halsey and you have one of those records that goes number one at top 40, 110 million radio audience. So formats, you know, it, it really, um, they, they can make a huge impact. So when you see an artist that maybe starts at a smaller format, um, you know, Mumford & Sons. I mean, we could give a lot of examples of artists that maybe started in non-com but then really grew and had hits. That audience can it can grow exponentially. Um, so, you know, in, in every one of those formats, there's, you know, especially at major labels, there are promotion people that specialize in those formats. Um, you know, people who are experts in that world and have those relationships. So, it's, um, I mean, it's something that we think about all the time because we, we live in it. Um, how many, how many listeners on average would like an R and B hip hop format have? I would have to, if you give me a second, I can tell you real quick. Sure. I mean, so ask me that question in a second. I'm going to say 70, but um, I can show, I can give you a definitive answer here. Hang on. System. It is interesting how it's, how it's evolved, too, because a radio is still bigger than streaming platforms. It's still the... the um, yeah, that, because, that's it's, the way, because it's free. Because it's free. Right. Because it's so the, that's, that's we'll, we'll talk about that. I've got my theories on that. This past week... Um, the audience, uh, like at, at the urban format, like the most played records are getting about a 35 million, 33, 35 million audience. Which is and you just were able to look that up right now while we're talking. I, I can tell you what radio most, you know, if it's a monitored radio station, what they played three minutes ago. So the way, I mean, again, I don't want to get to jump ahead, but the way the technology is involved, we've got access to a lot of information. Mm -hmm. What's happening at Area 51 right now? <laughs> <laughs> and we did, we, that, that information that you have access to that, I hate, I hate to use this word, but the data, those metrics mm -hmm. are part of what you use to make your, your pitch or your art, you know, I don't want to say argument, but your argument to radio when they say, oh, I don't think this song, this band is ready for us yet. But this many, they have this many listeners here. They have this big fan base here and you kind of pull up those numbers. Well, there's also, it's, there's like an equation and in, in Howard touched on it, but triple A Non-com AAA, my format, is small, but there's a lot of disposable income yes. there. So those are people that buy things. And it's an older, often more college-educated crowd. So when you're talking about the audience 
for a lot of, you know, kind of top 40 stuff. You're talking about people who don't have their own checking account yet because they're 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, so it's younger. I mean, it's a large, large audience, but there, there's a lot of youth in there um, where they may really enjoy it, but they're still relying on the free aspect of radio to get it or they're relying on their parents to help them get it. And so um, that's kind of what we're, that, that actually factors into what we do because we're not trying to get the kids as much as we are the people who might be working professionals who don't have enough time to seek the music out on their own. You're looking for more intense long-term engagement right. and top 40 is actually just about the, tr- the moment. Yeah. It's turn and burn. It's, tur- it's trend oriented. So, um, Howard, did you have something else you wanted to add? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are certain formats appeal to a, there's a passivity in some of the listeners. And again, I think that's if you have a coalition of 30 million or 60 million, it's rare that they're all going to be active. You know, um, you know, non-common may be small, but I think there's a very active audience to that. But, you know, but again, if, if we were here and again, I've worked big pop records in, in my career, um, you know, I, I've seen arenas full of younger kids going crazy for, you know, an accident. You know, it's a different kind of engagement. And you know, part of what I have to do as a, you know, professional promotions person is just sort of figure out every situation. Like, where does this music ultimately, where can this music start? Where can it finish? What's the path? And what I love about this job, I would say, if you want certainty in life, probably the, the best gig probably is the Home Depot paint department. Because if you mix blue and yellow, what do you get? Red? Oh, green. Oh, Every time you get green, it's, it's like, <laughs> and if you want it like a little darker green, you just add more blue or whatever, but you're going to get green. What we do is not that every, every artist, every piece of art is unique. It's different there. You know, there are certain paths through the forest that may be well-worn, but you're going to veer off it. So it really is, it's a dynamic situation and it's really, it's, it's awesome. I, we talk about that, that, philosophy all the time on these podcasts that there's no one formula for a successful career in music. If there was, everybody would be doing it and we wouldn't have so many, you know, super huge artists and then struggling artists. Everybody would be, you know, successful. So I think that's really important to remember. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for our ins and outs of Radio Promotion Podcast. We had such a good time talking that we're going to split this podcast into two parts. That was part one, and you should be on the lookout for part two. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 